This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, Trish, look at this. You are a sight to behold. You are a sight to behold. What what is that you're wearing? This is an essential Antwerp. That's the brand kimono. So most of the summer I've been looking for a kimono because you know I love Mm. my fashion. Oh, well, it's should I describe it? It's bright pink, it's got flowery bits, it's got is that a bit of leopard on the other sleeve? I feel it might be, yes. And obviously, Trish, because I am a very small person, limited Mm -hmm. of height, my Mm -hmm. kimono is trailing along behind me as if I'm wearing a much taller woman's clothing. But you're wafting, wafting around the house. Very nice. Yes. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin and I'm Lorraine Candy and we're on a mission to tackle all the big and small issues that affect women at this stage of our life from insomnia to mind and body wellness, HRT to sex drive, careers and relationships and as always the challenges and joys of parenting teens. And in fact this episode is a bit of a teen special as we'll be talking to the founder of Teen Tips, therapist and parent coach Alicia Drummond on the most challenging aspects of parenting our adolescents from setting boundaries and consequences to recognising when your child might be heading for trouble. And Trish and I will also be talking about hair from how to keep it lush and lovely in midlife to our feelings on going grey and the hairstyles that have charted some of life's major milestones. How are you this week, Trish? Very good. Thank you, Lorraine yes. Candy. How are you? I'm quite perky this week, but um, I've got a slight problem with the dog. Oh, <laughs> what's, what's the dog done? Pixel. Right, what's right. Pixel done? Uh, we had to take her to the vet and the vet says she's a little fatty. <laughs> well, those are those the exact professional words? She, yes, used. technically speaking. <laughs> said, I said, oh, no, she's not. She's just like, we haven't had her shaved. And he said, no, no, she weighs an awful lot more than she did at the beginning. I felt judged and (laughs) slightly shameful because I don't know how come, well, she's a greedy pig. That's mainly why. Um, And then I realized when I got home, I weighed my good self. I'm a little bit of a fatty as well. I've got on lockdown pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Lockdown lardass, as my teenager called me. (laughs) Yeah. Round the middle bit. If you put anything on round the middle bit, it's Margot put anything on round the middle bit. <laughs> no, Margot, it's it's she goes up and down by by volume of fur, a bit like Pixel with the fur. There's a there's a lot of fur going on, especially in the summer. I don't know. It all seems to sort of go a bit matted. I have to comb it out. It's all, all about the hair, pet oh, hair. Oh, pet hair. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about hair today. We are indeed. On today's we should, episode. We should get back to the old um, "Why are we here?" podcast situation. I've always got my little menopause meerkat eyes out there, alert, alert yeah. out there. And um, Jenny Eclair's book is out 
It's called Older and Wilder, A Survivor's Guide to the Menopause. I was looking at interviews with her and she's developed a little character called Little Miss Menopause, which I thought would make you laugh. I just wondered how you would sketch that. Yeah, there are no pictures. There are no pictures. Steam coming out the top of her head and a very (laughs) furious face, clutching her expanding middle, saying, who am I and why am I so cross about everything? And there's another new book out, My Little Friend Kathy Lett, Australian lady, very funny. It's called Husband Replacement Therapy. Oh, another form of HRT. I'm liking the sound of that. Yes, you can't get that at your GP, can you? (laughs) Either. Either. (laughs) Now it's time to welcome this week's special guest, Alicia Drummond. Alicia is a trained therapist and parent coach and is the founder of Teen Tips, an organization that works with schools and parents to create positive mental health, well-being and resilience for children, as well as creating environments in which young people can thrive. So welcome, Alicia. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, Trish. It's very nice to be with you both. I'm going to kick off our discussion about parenting and living with and being with adolescents and teens by asking you really about setting boundaries. One of the questions I get most asked is, how do we say no? How do we set boundaries? How do we not punish, but set consequences? And what do we do when we've done all of that? And Because we genuinely want the best for our children and they push back and it becomes really confrontational. Um, Boundaries is really interesting, isn't it? Because it's one of those topics that just comes up again and again. And I think the most important thing, first of all, really is kind of trying to decide whether something is actually a boundary issue or not. Because teenagers are going to make mistakes. And if it's a one-off and it's not necessarily something that you've particularly talked to them about, then um, it's probably better to chalk it down to experience and move on. And it's that, I think, is more about having a proper conversation the next day. See what happened, why the wheels fell off, what they might be able to do differently next time. Having that conversation, listen, listen, my little treasure, your job is to go for freedom and for uh, independence and a bit of experimentation and a lot of fun. And my job is to keep you safe. It's a bit like you're on a piece of elastic. Your job is to take the elastic and it's to pull away. My job is to set you up to be able to take the elastic But if you prove yourself unworthy, I also reserve the right to tweak it back in line. I think there's something to be said about the difference between punishing teenagers with the boundaries and setting consequences for them. Because a lot of people who comment under my column say, I've taken the door off their room or I've told them they're never driving the car again. And I just think that's punishing. That's not saying if you do that, we will do. I mean, but I think it's taken me a while as a parent to work out the difference because you don't know what to do because you think you should punish them because your parents punished you in that way (laughs) that's the gen x way isn't it yeah i think that that idea of punishment you know it's not altogether helpful because it tends to be a reactive response so quite often we go a bit overboard and then you go right you know that's it you've lost your phone for a week and then they swear at you so suddenly it's month and then they say something else that's disgusting so it's two months and it's completely unused you know it's just unused it's not going to work yeah no you you need them to have the phone because otherwise you can't find them either Mm. what we try and um, help people to do is first off try and view it as a mistake and then if it happens again, then that's no longer a mistake. That was a, a choice. And if it's something that ultimately would get them into trouble in terms of their safety, that's when we're tweaking the elastic. So then, you know, then it's about having that conversation about we're not going to set the rules and the rewards and consequences in the heat of the moment. 
So instead, we're gonna um, we're gonna have a discussion about it. But what happened yesterday was not okay. From my perspective, it wasn't okay because what was it like from your? So you invite them into a sort of bit of communication. Before you do all of that, there's one other thing that's really important, and that's to make sure that if you're co-parenting, your other half is on board. And that doesn't mean to say they yes. have to agree with you, but they do have to agree to, one of you has to take charge on this one. I was going to talk specifically maybe about 16-year-olds, not, not just because I've got a pair of them, <laughs> <laughs> but it does become increasingly hard to say no to teenagers as they get older, and especially in that sort of 16 to 18 period where you know they're probably going to be trying vaping, there's alcohol, there's, they can get their piercings done when they're 16 because they really feel like, well, look, I'm kind of nearly a grown-up here and I, I know what I'm doing and everybody else is doing it. How do you advise on that sort of area? If you've done a lot of the setting them up for success, so that's talking them through all the different, you know, because they're not wired, their brain's not wired to think through long-term consequences. So, you know, discussing the impact of drugs, sex, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is. So we set them up to be successful. We recognise that, you know, you're going to be out with your peers. And one of the things that I find happens most often is that inability to resist peer pressure. And it's not because they really want to do it often. It's sometimes because they don't really know how to say no. So actually, I think one of the best things we can do with them is give them tools to be able to say no. It's important they come up with it, really. But it could be something like, oh, you know, oh, we've got sport tomorrow or my mum will kill me or it really doesn't matter as long as they can say it. Mm. And I guess that's the same with the consequences as well. So it was particularly with that age group. Let's discuss why this isn't really working very well. So I've just been doing this actually this morning with a 15-year-old, just about to be 16, over the phone because she thinks she should be allowed the phone all night because all her friends are and her mum's determined that she's not having the phone past nine o'clock. That's your rule. Yes, that was my rule. I think it gave us like a year of them. It was just awful, but I'm glad I stuck to it. Yeah. So how did you negotiate it? Because we were both very hard line, not in your room and not after nine o'clock. If you've established that as a rule, you want to do it early and just stick with it. But they've already got themselves into a situation where, yeah. you know, their daughters have it. So I was like, okay, we've got to find a compromise here because you're saying nine o'clock. She's saying most of her friends don't even go on it till 9.30. We have to find somewhere where we can meet, where you both feel like you're giving a little bit of ground. And I think teaching teenagers to negotiate is quite powerful, actually. It was quite funny, actually, because we ended up at, I think it was something like 10.25. Yeah, we ended up at weekends. We said at weekends, we because we, she, she kept calling a meeting to do a presentation. On it. And we ended up with saying that, okay, all right, so Friday and Saturday, that's fine. You can have the phone till midnight, but you have to bring it up out of your room and we have to trust because we'll be up before you in the morning that you've done that and it's there and that kind of works. But I think it's so much easier for the next generation because this was with my 18, nearly 18 and 17 year olds. So with my eight and 13 year old, they absolutely know this is coming. They, they're not allowed their phones in their room. And they know that they will have to hand them in at nine o'clock during the week. But Lorraine, you, you're saying you, you've obviously got soon to be 18 year old. So Alicia, when they get to that age, they are adults, um, yeah. but they might still be living in the house or they might be coming backwards and forwards to university. How, how involved do you think you can still be um, as a parent 
where does your elastic band go with that age group would you say <laughs> I think really we've got to have got them ready to fly by 18 because you know they're going off to university you're going to have no control whatsoever there so they've got to be able to look after themselves by that point and I think that's what we're noticing is less and less of them are ready and I think partly that's because they've been so micromanaged that actually they haven't really been able to to do any experimenting at all then they arrive at university and it was like whoa you know everything's out there you know you've got to think by 18 they're they're officially adult but they don't have an adult brain till 25 so they're still going to make mistakes you just have to hope that you've given them enough at that point to be able to to, I I guess as well you have to sort of feel like they have to feel you're available for them if you if they need you don't they and that you'll be fairly non-judgmental when they tell you things that make you grip the side of the chair (laughs) as they're telling you it your best unshockable face (laughs) yes exactly so what are, what are some of the other main concerns of the parents that you work with at Teen Tips? Because we know that, you know, again, maybe uniquely to this generation, they are under huge amounts of pressure and have a lot of different sort of well-being and uh, mental health issues. And maybe um, generations before them, we know there's issues around body image, eating disorders, from pornography, self-harm. There's a lot going on out there. Um, in terms of the eating disorders they're incredibly complex so it's not just one thing they tend to be anxiety driven but there's also a genetic component to them I think perfectionism that toxic toxic drive for perfectionism is fueling the problem social media has its part to play in that you know that compare and despair sort of culture so how would you advise parents in that situation when they've identified their adolescent has an eating disorder or issues with their body? First and foremost, I think you always want to be getting professional help because there's a lot of evidence to show that the longer an eating disorder is left untreated, the more firmly established it becomes. So you want to be proactive. And I think some of the problem is that we just don't really want to see it for lots of different reasons. It's frightening. We don't know what to do. Um, We don't really want to believe that it's happening to us. There's a certain amount of shame perhaps involved. And so it's kind of cutting through all of that and, and being able to be sort of brave and strong enough to say, you know what, this is not working. We need, we need help here. Start with your GP. Definitely. Um, And they usually will be able to refer you on, but getting I mean that's why what we do at Teen Tips is we try very hard to be proactive because I think if you're relying on the system picking up the pieces at the other end i.e the cams child map oh it's a nightmare it's an absolute nightmare so ideally we want to create those environments so we don't have to go down that route but if you've got there then you're going to need some specialist help but this came up quite a lot on the um when I asked for Uh, listeners what they would ask is this silence where they just you say what's wrong and they say nothing how do you break past that so you well first of all you just you know you've asked the question and you've got that I'm fine but then I'd always go back and say okay well you say you're fine but what I've noticed is that you become increasingly withdrawn or you don't seem to want to um, socialize with your friends anymore and I'm just wondering so you notice and wonder notice and wonder and just the very fact that you're trying to guess what you think's going on for them um a it gives them permission to feel what it is that they're feeling uh, b 
well actually she's bothered to try and work it out so maybe she does care enough and um, see sometimes we, they just don't really know what's going on so if you if you give them the words it if they're teenagers if they don't agree with you they'll just bat it away anyway and but at least it's got them thinking um the other thing I think it's worth talking about is teenagers struggling to understand and actually talk about acknowledge their sexuality and their changing sexuality it's part of their bodies changing and their thought processes and their brains developing so if you if your teenager thinks they might be um lgbtq for example how do parents help i guess it slightly depends how it comes up doesn't yeah. it because uh, you know you sometimes you you have your suspicions that this might be something that they're struggling with but they haven't openly told you in which case the conversation goes something along the lines of you know what at your age it would be really normal to be you know questioning and and considering uh, you know what feels right for you and I just want you to know that whatever you decide is fine by me and if you want to ask me any questions I'm always here you know we we kind of have this preconceived idea don't we as parents you know you you give birth to a boy or you give birth to a girl and you look down at them and you kind of project how their life is going to go and when they throw you that kind of googly uh, which you weren't expecting because you didn't see it coming, it can be a really big shock. And I think it's about being kind to ourselves whilst accepting where they are. So if you are really shocked, it's okay to take time, but they need to know that they're not being rejected. So kind of saying to them, you know what, obviously you've been thinking about this for a really long time and I'm so glad you came and talked to me about it. I absolutely 100% accept your decision, but it's just going to take me a little bit of time to catch up with where you're at. So, um, Alicia, I'm quite keen to talk to you about friends um, and your children's or your teenagers' friends, because we know they are hugely important to them, aren't they? They're almost like more important than you are at this stage in their life. And the chances are, if, if your own child, um, you know, luckily enough, doesn't have any sort of major issues, possibility that some of their friends will have, you know, self-harm issues, anxiety, stress, eating disorders. And I think with girls in particular, it can get quite almost quite hysterical because they're all trying to solve each other's problems. They're all trying to be so emotionally supportive. And I certainly know with my daughter, she almost feels this responsibility to try and fix her friend's problems. And often they can be quite major problems that, of course, a teenager shouldn't be trying to fix. How would you, as a parent, manage that? Funny enough, this is something that came up yesterday, actually, with a with a client, and um, she was doing exactly that. She said, "Oh, you know, we're a couple of my friends, and they've both got eating disorders, and you know, it's really nice because I think I'm okay, so I'm I can be the one that's there for them to talk to." And I had com- long conversation with them, basically getting to that idea of um, you know people who work with eating disorders, self harm. They go through an awful lot of training and a big part of that training is how you manage to keep yourself okay and you know we're empathic creatures so you will be affected by what they tell you now if you were going, if you were going down the psychotherapy route then a, a part of your training would be learning how to manage that but you haven't got that training so you do need to be really careful that you look after yourself as well so you want to be there for your friend of course you do and i get that but actually, the best thing you can possibly do for them is to encourage them to find an adult who's trained to help them because it is really, really complex work. Do you think teenage girls like to create drama? Oh, yes. 
<laughs> Upstairs to downstairs, mine can have like five different sets of drama situations. Or just going down the stairs. Yes. Yeah. I think it's very difficult, and I'm sure you've talked to families maybe, Alyssa, how you negotiate that bit where you don't like one of their friends or you feel that one of their friends is a very bad influence. You have to remember that their friendships kind of, especially at that age, are a reflection on how they see themselves as well. You know, you learn a lot about your identity by the people you're around. And 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 it's a fairly fluid thing, particularly at the beginning of adolescence. So, you know, you remember your girls in years seven and eight and they're all falling out with each other left, right and centre and it's a complete nightmare. And you don't do what I did. So Daisy came home one day and she went, oh, so-and-so was saying this. And I was obviously having an off day and I was like, oh, darling, she's been a bitch all term, for God's sake, move on. And of course there was a... <laughs> horrible silent moment and then the next day they're best friends again but I'm not allowed to talk about it so that's not going to work you don't want to diss their friends because that's that you just drive them into their arms if you do that but sometimes you might have to start questioning it so I had a really gorgeous client and he he was a bit of a monkey really and he came in and Anyway, one time his mum threw him through the office door and she said, go and tell Alicia what you've done now. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And uh, anyway, being caught shoplifting at school, um, in the school shop. I said to him, you know, so why, why do you think this happened? And, and um, it, it was just this particular group that he was hanging out with. And I said, well, I, I know that your school has like a three strike rule and, and you're on strike two. And the third one means you're out. I said, do you like it where you are? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, do you want to be there next year? So he goes, yes, of course. I said, well, what do you rate your chances of getting from now, which was October through to June? And he sort of looked at me and I said, you have to make a choice here because it seems like last time you got in trouble was with these guys what what do you think you might want to do differently sat there for a while and and eventually came back and he went I'm going to join the surf society I was like (laughs) right tell me a bit more and he goes well they're really cool but they don't get into trouble I wanted to ask you um, something about us as parents, really, because I think generally we're not very good at giving ourselves credit for the job that we're doing, because there's always this sense of impending danger, or there's a sense that we could be doing something better, or they could be doing more, they could be learning more. How do we um, get out of that mindset and just try and maybe focus on some of the joy that parenting can bring? The best thing you can remember is that actually the worst thing you could be would be to be a perfect parent because that's just a nightmare for any teenager to have to deal with. And actually, they need to see you making some mistakes. One of the things that we've become too risk averse, and we don't allow ourselves or them to make mistakes anymore. And actually, that just increases people's anxiety. So actually, you're doing them a bit of a favour if you mess it up a bit, as long as you acknowledge that you've messed it up a bit, and go back and show that you can apologise as well. It's Absolutely. that um, good enough theory, isn't it? We, we're good enough. That's, I always think they're still all alive at the end of the yeah. day. So yeah, that's good enough for me. <laughs> it's about relationships, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, they're going to choose your care home. So you might as well put more, more effort into the relationship. <laughs> what a wonderful wow. thought. I'm being really nice to the one I think is most likely to choose my oh, care home. Oh. Um, so, so do you want to just tell us a bit um, more about Teen Tips, the website, the club, and, and what, what oh. services you offer? 
we do a lot of work with schools with parents with organizations and businesses all to help it's all about as i said that earlier that preventative thing so helping them create environments in which uh, young people can thrive particularly in terms of their mental health and well-being that's what we're all focused on and then we have this uh, parents club which is really exciting it's been something that i've wanted to do for about two or three years but we were going to launch it probably the end of 2020 but actually with everything that's gone on we decided that the number of calls we were having coming in everybody needed support now so we've launched it it's got audio parenting course which each month we look at a different topic so uh, it could be resilience it could be sleep it could be eating disorders it's got a massive bank of q a so having done this now for 11 years i challenge somebody to put a question in there that i haven't come across or got an answer to so it's a massive bank for those moments when it all kicks off and you're just sitting there thinking oh my god what am i supposed to say or do next it's got directory of therapists it's got specialists it's got a forum so you can link up with other parents and share the share the ups and share the downs and and get a bit of support and then last but not least, which I think is really important, particularly at the moment when kids are so much more online, is that I managed to find a company um, abroad, actually, who do, it's the only one in the UK, I think, at the moment, um, cyber safety insurance. So if anything happens, like bullying, harassment, extortion, threats, the sharing of um, intimate images without consent, um, if you remember, you've got this insurance and you can, anybody in the family, if it happens to them, you can ring up and they'll come and take the content down, which is often, often a really hard bit. Thank you so much, Alicia, for joining us. That was really, really helpful information. I'm sure we will have eased the minds of a lot of anxious parents out there. So thank you very much. Is it teentips.co.uk? It is teentips.co.uk. Yeah, Brilliant. thank you Thank you. for having me. It's been great. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, it turns out when one looks back at pictures before you and I knew each other, mm-hmm. that we had the same haircut when we got married, on the day we got married. I know. Really short hair. Isn't that weird? Mine was a kind of sort of wedge type affair, which sounds like <laughs> shouldn't be right for the 1990s, but I was actually growing out this little sort of pixie haircut that I had, which, which was rather nice. But when we decided to get married, I thought, oh, no, I need, I need a bit of hair to shove a veil or something in. So I, I started growing it out and ended up with this haircut. And then I saw your picture on Instagram from your 20th wedding anniversary yeah, this year. Same. So I've intermittently had very long and very short hair. But as I've got older, this has been the biggest shock, actually. It's become incredibly thin. So while the hair on your head stops growing, the hair on your moustache, however, (laughs) you could 
grow a tree there and, and your chin don't, don't forget the chin the chin as well yes <laughs> a few little sprouters on there that's always great <laughs> isn't it <laughs> i know i had the t- i did the terrible thing of because i'd never had because i'm so blonde i'd never seen any hair on my um top i can't believe i'm even talking about this it's really not very sexy <laughs> Um, and when I went to get eyebrows done, I said to the lady, what's this here? And she said, oh, well, you get older, it sometimes happens, it just gets a bit thicker. It sounds like great, or not on my head, but on my top of my lip. And she said, it's, it's all right, I'll thread it for you. And I just <gasps> said, yeah, that'd be fine. Ooh, painful. Well, it's worse than being in labour. <laughs> top five most painful things you can do to yourself. There were tears <gasps> oh pouring my down my face. God. just carried on and said, yeah, it, it's, it is quite painful. <laughs> Lots of people cry. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting, isn't it, hair um, during perimenopause, because just as we don't have the same skin at 50 as we did at 25, the condition of our hair changes too. Uh, But of course, it's more than just about greys, isn't it? There's quite a lot of other things that that can happen at this time. Well, it's to do with the follicles shrinking, isn't it? And it's a little bit about blood flow as well. And I actually went to see someone about it because it felt like so much part of my identity, my hair. And then I just couldn't be, it was just breaking off in in the shower. And and also I had a really severe iron deficiency, which apparently a lack of iron really does cause havoc with your hair. So you've got to get it. And I noticed a a difference within weeks when um, I started bumping up my iron but it is to do with estrogen as well and your declining rates of estrogen um and it just gets thinner and it can get yeah caught. I think because estrogen has a protective role in that it can help to keep hair in the the growing phase yeah and you know other things that that can happen are as you, you mentioned hair follicles they become very sensitive to hormonal changes and as you said they kind of shrink and then your hair can also feel coarser because your the oil glands in your hair become less active as well because I noticed that with mine I just thought oh it's gone it's gone a little bit wiry it's gone a bit dry and, and I think just you, to note as well that it's all cultures women from all backgrounds oh, who yeah. are kind of going to go through this it's sadly it's you know nobody is exempt from the the ever-changing hair so I think among the sort of black and mixed heritage women uh, particularly people who regularly use braids and weaves the hair is going to thin as well Um, and there's there are lots of things that you can do but it's probably best it's probably best to seek advice from a a proper Mm. expert on this and not just your hairdresser because a lot of hairdressers are very good at younger women but they're not so good at women over 40 some of the things that I've kind of you know been had drummed into me over my years of working in in women's magazines are there's just a couple of things really like using a hair mask once a week a treatment mask because it's all about moisture getting the moisture into your hair and always using a heat protection spray because I do tend to do a little blow dry and then use a tong. And if I don't use a heat protection spray, um, yes, the old split ends and dry bits is a bit of a disaster. I think with hair colour, it's such a skill that has to be done by an expert. So your friend of mine, Josh Wood. Oh, yes. Brilliant, brilliant colourist. But his website is really good. It's got lots of videos if you do fancy doing it yourself or have to do it yourself. And he has a a, a really brilliant range of colours that Mm -hmm. you can buy. But he shows you how to do it. So look at the how to do it. Don't yeah, just... because it, apparently there's a way, of, you know, if you want to grow it out, you have to grow it out and how you how you manage that kind of in-between phase because we know how painful sort of growing out hair colour or growing out yes. very short haircuts is. Um, so, yeah. So, That's um, my big bit of advice, actually, Trish, because when I was 43, I had it cut really short thinking, I know what I'll do. I'll go for that pixie cut. Mm-hmm. Without knowing what was coming at me was that, 
to grow any hair out after the age of about 40 with all of this just takes years yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had it cut short and bleached very very white blonde and it was a mm -hmm. massive mistake would have been brilliant in my early 30s but it was it's been hard to grow out the hair thinned it's just been a it's been just a, again one of those niggles in life that you probably if you know about it do not have your hair cut short mm. that is not the time to do it so what what do you use then I've got a fantastic hairdresser, Zoe Irwin, who's the kind of creative director of various massive brands, but she really knows her stuff because she's the same age as me as well. We've known each other a very long time. But she recommended something called Nioxin, which is a, a hair thickening brand. So they do these great packages where you get, um, it's for chemically treated hair as well. So if you've coloured your hair, it's particularly good for that. So you get the shampoo, you get the conditioner, you get a scalp treatment. They also do a vitamin. Uh, mm -hmm. which I've been taking, which I think makes a difference. Um, but Philip Kingsley does quite a good range. And he's, a you know, kind of the old school, very famous. Uh, uh, a trichologist. 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 Tri yeah, trichologist. trichologist yeah. He, yeah. He's got, so he does um, supplements as well. And also there is something called Hair Gain, which is a supplement which a friend of mine recommended. But I have to say, since I started the, getting the iron right, it is a bit better. So now it's time, Lorraine, where uh, we share what we've been trying and testing this week. What have you been up to? I've been doing something quite interesting, which became slightly bigger than um, when I just said, oh, I think I'll just test this. Um, and it's really fascinating. So I've been testing something called Mind Walk Yoga uh, that a friend of a friend set mm -hmm. up, um, Zakia Bishton. She's a yoga teacher. She's got 10 years experience. A lot of her work is around post-traumatic stress disorder and how yoga can help people recover from that, how they can be less anxious. Um, and she's done a lot of the work around depression as well. So it's not a cure, but it's a way of managing symptoms. And what Sakia does is, uh, she describes it all on the website, is she works with the parasympathetic nervous system. So once you activate that, and often it's activated from your throat, so singing oh, activates it a bit. It's right, all to do with okay. the budget's nerve, which we've talked about before. But it's the basic premise is the longer you exhale, the better it is. So the exhale sends a message to your brain saying you're very, very safe. You don't need to be in a fight or flight situation. You don't you can ignore all the cortisol. You can relax. This site is a sort of social enterprise so it's free a lot of her mm -hmm. yoga classes um and it's supposed to be also aimed at a really diverse audience because she's a black yoga teacher there are not many it's just not a very diverse industry but what i practiced this week was ujjayi breathing oh yes yes yeah you like that don't I, you? I do <laughs> it's throat breathing isn't it yes um <laughs> and also coherent breathing oh i haven't heard of that yeah, it's good, isn't it? I'm not a coherent anything. So coherent breathing <laughs> is a good place to start, I feel. And she does it with chimes. And what's so brilliant about it is when you watch it, she says, we're going to sit for two minutes and we're going to breathe. And she sits for the actual two minutes. You know, normally they say sit for two minutes and then I get confused and think, oh God, two minutes is taking 10 years, but she sits with you as you do. It's just really nicely done. Very easy to follow. You aren't going to get it right the first time. You do it in 15 minute chunks or you can do a five minute session and follow her. 
it's a bit weird at the beginning, I would say. And one time I felt very sleepy <laughs> afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and another time I had a, a bit a really t- intense headache across my right eye. So in both, <laughs> I think it takes a bit. But now I find it really calming. I really like the sound of this. Can, is there, can you spell the name? Maybe it's the website. Mind Walk, which is one oh, word, yeah. M-I-N-D-W-A-L-K yoga. Um, and it's on YouTube. Um, but there's a website mm-hmm. as well. Very nice. Hmm. So what have you been doing? Well, I'm hoping you can see. <laughs> do I, does my jaw look a little bit firmer? Does my, do my cheeks look a bit plumper? Is it good lighting, Trish? Oh, well, it could be. I've been practicing good lighting. No, I've been doing some face massage and face workouts. Oh, how boring. <laughs> I've tried two things actually. So I had a go at face massage, which I've always resisted before because I thought I can't, I haven't got the time, I can't be bothered. Um, And actually, I I did um, a facialist called Abigail James. Um, You can find her on YouTube, and with your hands. with your hands. With your, with your actual hands. You're doing it with your hands. You, she shows you how to do it. It's like a four to five minute video. Put on a bit of facial oil and then you do all these sort of pummeling, sculpting, lifting. You do look quite radiant. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. But I love. Have you it. not had a drink either this week? Is that maybe? <laughs> well, of course I have. <laughs> of course I have. But actually, I'd say, I tell you what, if you were hungover, it would really sort you out, I think, because it's it? quite, because it, there's a lot of lymphatic drainage of uh, moving the, you know, whatever fluids I wish, down around. I wish the listener could see this, the <laughs> from midlife, there's arms going everywhere. Arms going, gesticulating. So but I also fabric. did um, a sort of, uh, the other end of the scale, um, I, I had a go with a device called a Face Gym Pro, and it's this sort of handheld device that um, it's, it uses electrical pulses to stimulate your face muscles and you're given a little diagram of all the movements you need to do with this one but basically it feels like your face is being like flicked (laughs) little flick things and little twitchings and it's actually the muscles being stimulated yeah it's it's actually really good and I've actually used it um for about a year I've had one for about a year now and I just I thought well I'd add it in to this discussion because I've been talking about face massage and it is I think it's quite good I do it once a week, um, maybe on a Saturday morning, and uh, you know when I've got a bit of time, Saturday or Sunday morning, and um, you know again because if you're, it works on keeping the muscles firm, improving blood circulation, which stimulates cell renewal, collagen production, all of these good things, but. And here's the bar. It is expensive. So obviously oh. the face massage free. The face gym pro is about five hundred pounds. Good so, God. <laughs> it's quite the investment. But I would say it's it's you know, if you're somebody well, you do have very lovely skin. I mean, well, thank you. It might actually be that might be the reason. <laughs> is it might, tempting it? you? I don't pay for facial. I'm not a kind of big no, uh, I don't of like to have facials. I just have yeah. time, money, all of that. So this is what maybe the cost of five to ten facials, depending on what you have. So I kind of think because I'm not very much into the cleansing fa- type of facials. I prefer no. like a treatment that really does something. So this could be that treatment. Nostalgia noodling bits. What's been on your mind? Well, I was uh, looking at gadgets and various things and having those discussions you do with the teens where you have to just explain everything the whole time because they have no cultural references. They don't know who Cher is. 
I mean, how can they not know who Cher is? <laughs> They're missing um, something big there. And I just happened to glibly say the other day in fr- to my husband in front of my teenagers, yes, it was like when we got a new trim phone at home. It was so exciting. It was like the new. Do you remember a trim phone? Oh, yes, absolutely. It was very they cool. They were very square retro and modern at the same time Mm. weren't they they were very 70s looking and we had a really a dark blue one it had its own table in the hall (laughs) the phone was always in the hall wasn't it why I remember it mostly it's kind of my early so I would have been about 15 my early love life Mm. if you can indeed call it that would have been conducted I just remember sitting on the floor in the hall as everyone walked around me (laughs) Either talking to a boyfriend in a kind oh. of barely speaking kind of way or talk, mm. then talking to a friend of mine about the barely speaking boyfriend for about an hour and a half. The whole evening would pass as people were, because it was, do you remember it was cheaper in the evening to make a phone? Yes. I just remember spending hours sat on the floor on the trim phone. I suppose it was a bit sort of sex in the city, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Ahead of its time. Very nice. What did Better you than... nostalgia noodle just Oh, be? well, similar probably. Well, actually, slightly younger age, maybe. But I was... Um, out in the park the other day and there were some school kids there and they were skipping with skipping ropes but you oh, know like with a girl at either end and then you're jumping in the middle do you remember that you know like the, used to turn, pack, like the uh, like, buffalo style double dutch if double you dutch, do the double dutch it, yeah, yeah exactly yeah so that got me thinking about other kind of games that we played and at, at home we used to play this game kiss now chase. i'm gonna <laughs> not kiss chase with my sister no thank you uh in the garden and it was <laughs> We'd, it would involve tennis balls and you would put a tennis ball you get a pair of your mum's old tights get a pair of your mum's old tights American tan cut one of the legs you'd shove a tennis ball down yeah. the end of the tight into this the foot this is sounding violent already <laughs> but then you'd stand against the wall and you'd whack the ball <laughs> with the tights either side of you and you had to kind of get a bit of a rhythm yes. going do you remember that and yes. then you might go up diagonally you might go up diagonally into the air and then you might lift a leg up and do it under the leg it must have had a name that game i'm gonna have to oh i don't know maybe somebody somebody if anybody out there knows it they could tell should us should we bring it back on instagram or social media maybe yes. we'll do a little video <laughs> of us doing it <laughs> take one of the dog's tennis balls <laughs> and have a go oh, yeah Oh, lovely to think of you doing that. Oh. Take that uh, take that little image away from me and you and your <laughs> tennis balls. Right, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this drivel, really. Trish, that's all I can say. <laughs> Can't imagine anyone's made it to the end to listen to that, but it was quite an enjoyable chat. So, We've uh, had fun. We've yes. had fun. So, Lorraine, if anybody did actually like this episode what would we like them to do we would like them to download us postcards from midlife on whichever app they get their podcast from we'd also like them to follow us on social media we're on instagram postcards from midlife and facebook postcards from midlife and we have a website uh, postcardsfrommidlife.co.uk so you can send any questions or anything you want included or brilliant midlife stories because we have had some great um, stories from listeners and it would be lovely to interact with you a little bit more so thank you for listening and we'll be back again this time next week goodbye Goodbye. mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.